Amen. All right, happy Sabbath. Good afternoon once again. Uh, all right, we're just going to go right into it, picking up with the thought that Swinton left off, that God is in control of all. And I, I, the reason, one of the reasons why I wanted, would like to do three presentations is because I'm really trying to learn how Christ works. And one of the ways he works, Revelation 14 tells us one of those ways. Um, it says, they follow the Lamb with whosoever he goeth. And I'm learning that the Lord introduces a thought and we have to follow it. And he gave us six days to diligently build up on that thought because he's going to move on because the enemy's going to change an attack. So Christ's got to get us ready for the next thing. So God is getting ready. He's going to move to another thought. And while he's lingering on this thought, we're to gather all that, gather up the fragments that nothing is lost in all that he's given on this thought so that we can store it in the storehouse of our mind for later thoughts that he's going to open up. He'll come back to this another time. But we, we need to learn this method of his teaching for the Sunday law, because in the Sunday law, we've got to be a people on the go, constantly moving, by, with, moving in our minds to the next thought. And there's no, there's no time for lingering because he's going to introduce a light, and Satan has to, because he's never seen that light, he needs time to, to fight against that light. And while he's fighting, Christ is teaching us. So we got to keep moving while we learn it because when he comes back, he comes up at the midnight cry, the beast out of the bottomless pit to try to destroy everything Christ just gave. Does everyone follow him? That was, that's what the 1260 shows us. You know, that the beast comes up just before they entered in to now because now he can fight against the Bible that was created in the 1260. He found a way to fight it. And what he, the way he found to fight it, he introduced false science. That's what he did. Is everyone following? So we need to learn how Christ is teaching us so that we can be ready, ready soldiers at the Sunday law to move when he say move and to stop when he say stop and to eat when he say eat and don't eat when he say don't eat and drink when he say drink and don't drink when he say drink. Amen. And take off clothes when he say take off clothes and put on clothes when he say put on clothes. We have to be Minutemen doing it right there at that moment. And right now, Christ is on this thought, so let's, let's gather all we can on this thought this week that's coming, because I don't know when he's going to change the, 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 the train of thought and go on somewhere else. And then you missed out. All that you fail to gather, then you're going to find out the results of failing to gather when the crisis comes, because you feel, that's what the foolish virgins learn too late. They fail to gather when they could have gathered, and now they needed it, but you can't gather what you need in the situation. You need to be gathered for the situation. So let us gather what we can from this thought. So in our last one, let's go back to the notes. Uh, quickly, with the hands, please. Yes. So you linger. You don't, yeah, you linger. You like lock, like lock. In the country, kids, they already, you think of, you know, if they show up, you want to lose your seat. You want to lose this, you want to lose that. But everybody's struggling. You come for themselves struggling. Instead of, instead of just, um, instead of, instead of just doing good or doing right. They're trying to remain not, comfortable. Amen. We can't just think of self anymore. We gotta just think of what is right for the word of God wants to do and forget about 
all the things, you know, I had a room, I had a space, I had this, I had that. You know, even our dressing, you know, I used to put on saying that, you know, you know, just just do what Allah said. Dress the way Allah said. It's not going to be comfortable at first, but guess what? You do it. Okay, that goes back to what you're saying. What you're doing now is sowing the seeds for the real comfort at the Sunday law. So the real comfort that you're asking for is at the Sunday law because at that time, everyone's going to want what? Comfort. Comfort, but it's only going to be given to those who obeyed in the past. Peace, whose mind is stayed. So the, the, world is good. the world right now is living a life of comfort and ease, but the situation's about, the climate's about to change that's going to make everyone very uncomfortable. And if we're not obedient, obedient to God, we're not going to get the real comfort which we want, which is comfort of the soul. And, and the only thing that brings that is obedience to the law of God. So going back. So in our notes, we ended off by saying, I, I really want us to get this. I'm going to try to go through the notes, and then I'm going to try to explain things later. And it's this. Satan has so blinded everyone's mind that we can't see how everything is shaped to show us that we're living in the end of the world. Every time the Gospels preach, the Gospels preached according to the climate, the earth should show itself during that time. So because we're at the end of the world, the Gospel must line up with what the earth is showing. So the reason we don't see that the United States is set up to show the, earth, the end of the world is because we're blind. The reason we don't see that, that AI is coming out to teach us about the end of the world is because we're blind. The reason we don't see that Amazon is put in place to show us that we're at the end of the world is because we're blind. The reason we don't see that Rockefeller was set up to introduce the end of the world is because we're blind. The reason we don't see that the where science is today is designed to show us we're at the end of the world is because we're blind. In other words, every single thing on this planet should scream end of the world. But we don't see it that way because we have wrong understandings in our mind. So when God heals us of this understanding, when we look around, we're going to see Congress is screaming end of the world. We're going to see that the, the, the businesses is screaming end of the world. We're going to see that the public school system is screaming the end of the world. We're going to see that the medical system is screaming the end of the world. God in heaven is saying you're, we're in the end of the world. The Bible is saying we're in the end of the world. The spirit of prophecy is saying we're in the end of the world. Nature is saying we're in the end of the world. The Catholic Church is saying we're in the end of the world. The Sunday Church is saying we're in the end of the world. False science is saying we're in the end of the world. And Seventh-day Adventists are saying we're in the beginning of the world. Seventh-day Adventists are saying we have time in this world. Seventh-day Adventists is living like there is no end of the world. The one people who should have the best understanding that we're in the end of the world is saying that we have plenty of time. Let us enjoy this end of the world. That's sad. The Catholics know they're in the end of the world. The, the, the false religions, you know what they're preparing for? They're preparing for the one to come, the chosen one. Every false religion is looking for a one except Seventh-day Adventists. We talk of the coming of Christ, but we don't live the coming of Christ. To talk the coming of Christ and to look like the coming of Christ is two different things. To believe Christ is coming, I shouldn't have to say anything that Christ is coming. I should look like Christ is coming. The dress reform that Christ is asking us to dress should say Christ is coming. And how is Christ going to come? In many different ways to many different people. But the one way we want him to come is Michael to deliver us. And only those who are dressed and eating and living the way he says should live are preparing themselves to stand before Michael. It's a dreadful thing to stand before Michael. 
When he puts on the garment of Michael, we better have that same change of garment that he puts on when he puts that one on. Going from high priesthood to this one. So in the last notes, if, um, go back up to the part where it talks about the end of the world. There's two quotes that I missed that I wanted to read. Can I have a reader for them relatively quickly? Where I just want us to give two evidence to show that Ellen White says the world is dying. And even Martin Luther and people, they understood this. Um, I don't know where it is in the notes. Probably the second to last. 16. Okay. Page 16. Luther declared, I persuade myself verily that the day of judgment will not be absent full 300 years. God will not, cannot suffer this war wicked world much longer. The great day is drawing near in which the kingdoms of abomination shall be overthrown. This aged world is not far from its end, said Melanchthon. Calvin bids Christians not to hesitate, ardently desiring the day of Christ's coming as of all events most auspicious, and declares that the whole family of the faithful will keep this day, keep in view that day. We must hunger after Christ. We must seek, contemplate, he says, till the, great, till the dawning of that great day when our Lord will truly manifest the glory of his kingdom. That's it? Yeah. Amen. All I wanted to point out, Martin Luther knew that the end of the world was coming. They knew it wasn't their day. Calvin knew that it wasn't their day. Paul knew it wasn't his day. Peter knew it wasn't his day. And all those people before 1798, God's people understood that the end of the world was not that day. They all looked forward to the time, and Daniel says, at the time of the end of the world, there shall be an increase of knowledge. The knowledge that increases is one of the signs that we're in the end of the world. But what is that knowledge that's increasing? An abundance of information about the end. That's what Daniel wanted to understand. But Gabriel says, go thy way, Daniel. It's for the people who are actually going to live in that time. Because if I tell you this now, then Satan will know how to dis prepare the world to fight against it. So I can't open this revelation now. It's for that time. And when that time comes, make sure that we increase in all the knowledge we can before the Sunday law when the war starts again. Make sure you increase before the Sunday law on this knowledge, on this knowledge, before the war starts again. This is the clothing, the thoughts that should be taken over our minds while we're living in the end of the world. Because this is it's a very serious matter. Now I'm going to go into the notes, why I'm, I'm going to this. In the notes, we go down to part three, and it has in there Alpha and Omega, right? Uh, yes, and all I want to point out, we went over this a few weeks ago, Sean, um, I know our minds may be weird, but I'm, I'm, I'm asking us to try to um, prop up with me a little bit. In, in, in the book of Revelation, Jesus introduces how we should understand that book from beginning to end. We must have in our minds that he's Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end, the first and the last. Is I am he that was, is, and is to come. And then he closes the book by saying Alpha and Omega. And I don't know why in chapter 21 they don't put that he said those words in chapter 21. And those, those are very important because notice what he ties it to. He says, I am Alpha and Omega, and whosoever drink of the water of life, how? I don't know why they didn't put those words in red. Those words are not in red, and those words are very important. The Lord, there's a reason why the Lord would have that there. Notice what he says, to not understand Alpha and Omega, you're not going to drink of the water of life freely. Not, not, not in mine. It wasn't in red. You're not going to drink of the water of life freely. Is everyone following? 
Understanding he's Alpha and Omega is preparing the soul to drink of the water of the everlasting gospel, the latter rain. If we don't understand Alpha and Omega, we're not going to drink the latter rain. That we must understand him as Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end, the first and the last. So, as we enter into Revelation, that thought should be ingrained in the mind. If there's a first event, there's a what? There must be a last. If he gives it to us the first time, then there's another time that is going to happen. The first time was the, was the pre-warning. The last time is the actual real thing. It's about to happen. It's about to take place. The, amen. What is it? It's about to take place. It wasn't supposed to happen in 539. God says 70 years. It's 538. The papacy wasn't supposed to fall in 1797. He says 1798. And the papacy fell in 1798. But guess what? The general was on his way in 1797 to take him down. But prophecy says, no, 1798. And God, Satan was trying to disrupt that prophecy. But God says, no, I said 1798. And it happened in 1798. The papacy is one of the strongest evidences to the Bible. And, but I'm, I don't have time to go into that thought. So going back into the notes, um, we have the earthquake, right? Um, so Genesis 6.12, Revelation 6.12, sorry. Revelation 6.12, um, can I have a reader for that, please? Just the, just the part of the earthquake, pretty much. And I beheld when he had opened the sixth seal, and lo, there was a great earthquake. Amen. And after that, it should be uh, the quoting, right? Yeah, Palm about Palm Yes, Palm What did he say? It says, unlike the priest, Palm is sure the earthquake was not a sign of God's fury, but a natural phenomenon. Okay, so this is what I want to say now. The earthquake, we know, is 1755. We went over this last week. It was 1755. And when that earthquake hit, Satan introduced the thought that this is not the wrath of God. This is natural causes. Why is Satan introducing that thought? For the third angel's message, we're coming to the end of the world, and that message is going to be about what? The wrath of God. So he made sure he put the thought in place to fight against the wrath of God. So when John come teaching that this is the time of the wrath of God, there's a message there that says, no, natural causes. Natural causes. So that thought introduced in 1755 was now going through the earth looking for a body to possess. Yes. So the thought of natural causes was trying to find a body to possess, and it found it in the French Revolution. France accepted that idea and became the first nation to reveal that idea. Is everyone following? Satan possessed France. That thought now possessed France. He couldn't get England. He tried with England. He couldn't get Germany. He couldn't get um, Russia. He couldn't get any of those other European nations. And you know what the Bible says? France became the one to deny the existence of God. Why? Because of the understanding of natural causes that was introduced in 1755. And when France gave that thought life in the French Revolution, can I have a reader for that now? Revelation 11. Let's just read that. When they shall have finished their testimony, the beast of the senders out of the bottomless Hold on. Where does he come from? When you plant a seed, where do you put it? In the ground. And what must it do now? Come up. So he planted it in 1755, and we see it come up when? 1793. To do what? To war against the Bible. 
Is everyone following? So right there, now the seed was planted, and now the tree began to germinate in 1793. So it's not done growing. It's some 1793, that thought has just been growing and growing and growing and growing, and now we're seeing the fruits of that thought in climate change. Is everyone following? We're now seeing the fruit of that thought in climate change. Because the time for the, the time, the real time to fight against the wrath of God is now. And I want us to see this. 1798, what happened? The fall of who? The fall of the Amen. And what happened in 1840? What do we get from that? What do we get from that? What is God telling the world? Hold, hold, hold. The wrath is held. Is everyone following? The, both the papacy and Islam is the wrath. And both of them are restrained, so what? The message can go forward. And prepare people for what? The wrath of God. So you come to 1989, and what is the Lord saying? And 9-11, I'm about to lose the four winds. I'm about to lose the, lose the wrath of God on this earth. What's the wrath of God? The papacy and Islam. I'm about to lose these winds on the earth. If there was ever a time to get ready, it is now. Amen. I just wanted the Lord restrain the wrath of God, 1798, to the world to give space to repent, to turn to understand the first, the second, and the third angel's message. And then 1989 came to announce the time of the wrath of God is on its way. This message couldn't be preached in 1798 because the seven thunders is the wrath of God. The little book is the book that prepares you for the wrath of God. The message in the book prepares you for the wrath. The seven thunders literally deals with the wrath. Because the seven, it says, seal up the sands of the prophecy of this book. And then when you get to Revelation 22, just before the wrath of God, what does it say? Unseal, start teaching people about the wrath of God now. But there's a problem. The people who should understand the message of the wrath of God don't understand the coming of the message to begin with. So in every generation, the message that's for that time must always be repeated to the people that should understand the present-day message. The work of God on the earth presents from age to age a striking similarity in every great reformation, reformation or religious movement. The principles of God's dealing with men are ever the same. God is the restorer. Satan's the destroyer. Notice what I said. God is the what? Why, what does he need to restore? Swinning went over it. Creation. He needs to restore faith in his creative word. In the beginning, Adam was already stored with that. But the enemy came and stole that, that storing away with a false thought. Satan, the thought that Satan had in his mind that he was going to cause man to fall, he needed to possess somebody. So he found a subject. He found Eve. And he made that thought now possessed her. And she carried out his idea by going to possess her husband. So now the restorer needs to come. Christ came with the restoring message. He can't restore something that wasn't stored prior. If, it were, if he's restoring, that means something was stored. 
It was just Lord lost. Now I need to restore it. So he come with the gospel to restore it. And here's what I want us to get from this. Christ is the restorer. Notice what we said in the last one, that as soon as we're always breaking down, as soon as man is born, he's breaking down. He's aging, but he's breaking down. So the earth is aging, but it's really breaking down. The reason we don't see the breakdown is because we have a wrong understanding of what breaking down is, meaning death. We have a wrong idea of death, so we don't see the breakdown of this earth. We think it's going up because technology is advancing. Is all you can see is him breaking down. And now he needs a restorer. So the gospel was given to slow down the aging process. Just like the vegetarian diet slows down the death, it can't stop it, but it can prolong your life a little bit. So the earth lasted for 6,000 years because Christ kept giving it the gospel to heal it. What Jesus did when he came is what he was doing the moment man fell. He was not doing anything different when he came. He was doing the same thing in every generation. He would introduce a government. Satan comes and destroyed. So he rose up Abraham. And then he brought them into Egypt. Satan came and destroyed it. So he rose up Moses and gave them Jerusalem. Satan came and destroyed it. So he rose up Babylon. Satan came and destroyed it. So he rose up the Medes and the Persian. Satan came and destroyed it. So he rose up Greece. Satan came and destroyed it. So he rose up pagan Rome. Satan came and destroyed it. And who did he rise up? No, he didn't. Thank you. You're not. God has nothing to do with the papacy. Ellen White says God gave the papacy no such concession. God did not because then we're saying God is evil. If we say that, is everyone following? God rose up pagan Rome. The kings gave that power to the papacy. That's what they did. God didn't do that. They did that. Just like Adam gave it to Satan. That's what they did. They repeated the sin of Adam. Is everyone following? So God now needs to send a restorer of the United States to come and undo what the papacy did. That's what the United States should be playing, a restorer of mankind. The ideas given to this nation, the, the thoughts of the Constitution found the embodiment in this nation. And this nation possessed God's thoughts. But they were still holding on to a wrong evil, an idea that confused them about death and God. So God sent the first, second, and third to remove that idea, preserve the Constitution, but remove that idea. What is that? The Lord is going to preserve, um, preserve something in us, but remove the false idea that Satan gave. That's why he's a restorer. He's restoring something he already gave to man. He's coming to restore it, but he can only do it if man consents to be restored. In the beginning, he needed no consent. The earth was already in a line with God. God says, let there be, and there was. But now when he comes to man because of the evil idea that he shall not surely die, God says, let there be, and man says, let me think about it. Let me think about it. Some say, hath God said. Some say, go away a little while, Christ, and come back at a better season, and, and then I might think about it a little bit more. And some say, not my will, but thy will be done. So God is having a hard time restoring because the earth is not as responsive as it was the first time because of the evil idea it's inhabiting in his mind. Every one of us in this room is given life to one of these two ideas in our minds. 
We have the DNA issue of our first parents that we're thinking we shall not surely die. That's why we get up every day and we contemplate whether I should worship or just go to work because I don't have time. That is nonsense. God says, let there be light. It shouldn't even be a thought. You should immediately get up and go straight to worship. He says, let there be light. So I should say, Lord, let there be. Family, gather around. It's worship time. That's not a thought. That's not something go away for when I have a better season, then I'll have worship this morning. Or some of us say, you know what? I don't have time to study today because I got to go make this money. I got to go make money. I don't have time to sit down for 30 minutes and study my Bible. But God says, let there be. But man is saying, God, go away for a little season. And when it's convenient, when I don't have a whole bunch of things to do, then I'll stay for 30 minutes and study the Bible to try to understand the work of rest restoration and the wrath of God, the second coming at the end of the world. Because we don't see we're at the end of the world, that's why we live the way we do, because we're saying this earth shall not surely die. That's what false science, the globalists, that's what they're saying. This earth shall not surely die. We just need to change the emissions and tax people a little bit more to do so. And kill a few people in the process. But the earth is saying, I'm about to die. I brought about COVID to tell you I'm about to die. I'm giving all that I can to preserve you long enough to make a decision to choose Christ. The earth is talking to us. Are we hearing? God is talking to us. Are we hearing? The Bible's talking to us. The spirit of prophecy is talking. And nature is also talking to us. And our own conscience is talking to us. But we're silencing it by saying, I have time. I'm, I'm hungry. This is the third presentation. I'm tired. You're wearying me. So therefore, I'm not going to listen. Is everyone following? What thought is controlling us right now? What thought is controlling me? Which thought has the upper hand? Is it God's thought or is it Satan's thought? Which one is controlling me? We, God expects us to measure ourselves this way. Every day we should wake up and say, Lord, what thought is controlling me today? I get up and I pray and I plead with my Father. And I'm like, God, please help me to do right today. Help me to think right because I realize I'm in the end of the world and I need to be ready for what you say is about to come. I don't want that thing to come and my thoughts is in the wrong place and I'm in no position to call to mind what you say to do when this thing comes. And now I need to call some man to come tell me what to do when this thing comes. You know, some of us are actually going to reveal that. Even though we're hearing this, we're still going to do what the Lord says not to do. We're still going to do it. And, and, I, I, and I pray, God, please don't let that be me. I don't want to be here warning people, and then I ignore the warning myself. But let's go back to the notes. I just wanted to introduce that portion a little bit. Going back to the earthquake. So Revelation 11, it talks about the French Revolution. Can you read the bold parts for me, please? Just the bold. And after that, what is that? It's the next head. Ascended. 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 Okay, you know, I'll just talk about it because we're familiar with it. Revelation 11, and ascendant. When you look up ascend, it means to, to, to plant, to see, to arise, and those things, right? Yeah, so, so 1793 was literally the beginning growth of that thought. That was just the beginning. The beginning of that growth. But the Lord is showing us first the seed must be planted. This is what nature teaches. It, amen. So what does he do? 
Okay, so if that was the beginning, then what should we see at the end? The same thing, but far worse. Far worse. So COVID, a seed was what? Sown. Yes, it was sown. And many people took the vaccine and had the seed planted in them. And they're going to be used by Satan to do a terrible work in the future, and they don't even see it coming. They don't see it coming. What Satan planted in them was for the future. But man, people are going to find out when it's too late what's in them is going to bear fruit. But praise God, the restorer is going to come. Because new diseases is about to come. So new healing art must also follow. That's the gospel. So Christ needs Christ is preparing our minds to imbue us with the healing power. But if we have the wrong thought about natural causes in our mind, he can't give us that gift of healing. Because we're going to ascribe it to natural causes. Is everyone following? He's really about to give us the gift of healing. But we need to understand that he's creator and how he creates and how he works in harmony with his creation. If we don't understand that, he can't give us that gift. We must know how thoughts work, and we must understand cause and effect. And we must be willing to say, no, brethren, this is not natural causes. It's because you're eating meat. That's what's causing this. It's because you're mixing fruits and vegetables. That's what's causing this. We got to be bold to lay the axe to the root of the tree. We got to be bold. So here's what I want to I love what the Lord is doing. The axe is the Bible. The edge is the thoughts that comes from the Bible. When we have our minds sharpened to exercise, the Lord will use us as his axe to lay it to the root of the tree. The Lord is showing us the root of natural causes. It's happened in 1755. That's the root. There's the cause. This idea of natural causes, the axe is being laid to it right now. And the midnight cry is where God begins the first chop. The civil Sunday law, second chop. The Sunday law, third chop. The close of probation, tree falls. Is everyone following? Every way mark is a chop. The midnight cry, he's about to chop one chop to this. And praise God, he has a people he can use as his battle axe to chop away at that false idea. We're going to chop away at the false idea of the papacy, the false idea of, of of atheism, apostate Protestantism, nominal Adventism. We're going to lay the axe like John to the root, and we're going to cut that, those trees down. Praise God. All those false ideas that's in society, Christ is about to cleanse the temple. But before they can be cut down in the world, they must be cut down where? In us. You see, natural causes might be hiding under a different disguise in our mind. We may not say natural causes because it's hidden under a different. What Satan deceived the world on, he changes the name for Seventh-day Adventists. Is everyone following? That's all he does. Paganism? Oh, Catholicism. Catholicism was cut down in 1798. Oh, apostate Protestantism. Oh, apostate Protestantism fell in October 22nd. Oh, nominal Adventists. So right now there's a thought that's circulating, and I want us to get this. There's an evil thought that Satan has in his mind, and he's looking for a body to possess, to carry that thought to the end of the world. 
just like Christ is looking for a body to possess, to carry the thought at the end of the world. What's our evidence for that? Judas. He was sitting at the table, and there was a thought that wanted to possess him, and Christ was keeping it away as long as he could, and then he just looked, what thou do? Do quick. And what does the Bible say? No, 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 no. Satan did what? How did he possess him? He gave him a thought. We just showed how he possessed. He gave him a thought that Judas never had. Judas never seen that thought. Judas started thinking, well, if I put Christ into the hands of the soldiers, he'll just break free like he did all the time. But Judas failed to see he was in the end of the world. He didn't see that the signs were saying Christ was at the end of his ministry. Prophecy was about to close. Prophecy. Christ was trying to tell them, I'm at the end, I'm going up to Jerusalem, I'm going to what? Die. He says, I'm going to go up there to be killed and raised again the third day. So Judas should have never had that false thought that Christ was going to escape. No, he told you beforehand, I'm going to die. And then Christ says, I'm going to be betrayed into the hands of these sinners. So how did Judas not see that? God of this world has blinded Because the God of this world has what? Blinded, blinded his mind. Because what was he after? Riches. Money. So Judas are representing those whose minds right now is on money. And there's a thought prepared for your money-loving heart. And you don't see it. Because the God of this world, so if we follow that, there's a world full of Judases. They're all chasing after what right now? Money. They're all trying to find the best way to get rich. But according to the Bible, in order to get rich at the end of the world, you're going to have to betray Christ, meaning betray good principle. To be rich at the end of the world, you have to betray good principles. If God is not prospering you at the end of the world, you're betraying good. Anyone who has a lot of money right now, nine times out of ten, they're betraying good principle because that's the prophecy of the end of the world. Because if you're walking with Christ now, it should be hard to what? Make a lot of money. Yeah. It should be difficult because yeah. Christ is preparing us for the Sunday law where it's ultimately difficult. To make money, we need to live by faith yeah. and not by sight. Amen. It's a false gospel preaching that godliness is great gain. That's a false gospel. That's what Judas preached at the end of Christ's ministry. And that's what Seventh-day Adventists is preaching at the end of Christ's ministry of the Day of Atonement. And God forbid that spirit is in us. The axe must be laid to the root of the tree. Mm. The love of money is what? Is what? So what do you think God is laying the axe at? The love, the love of money, false science, false teaching, false Sunday worship, false state of the dead. These roots need to come down. And if we're faithful, God is going to use us as his battle axe to cut these false ideas down. But they must first be cut down in us. We must give way to the right thoughts, or Christ is going to say, let there be darkness. Go ahead. Go ahead. Quickly, yeah, I'm, I'm liking this because this thought was coming to mind. Um, Satan is hiding, right? He's hiding yes. in the atheism. He's hiding yes. in Catholicism. Amen. And the Lord is exposing him. Amen. 
the Lord is showing us how we slithering through the grass. Praise God. And the thought that just came to mind, you know, in 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 the French Revolution, it was atheism and Catholicism in the 1260. Amen. But now, Globalist. the mother had her day. Amen. Right. So now it's really um, Protestantism and the globalists. And, yeah. Um, so, but this this was the thought because I don't know when you come to Judas and the Pharisees, those are God's people, and Adventists would become Judas. Amen. And the pro essentially the Protestants will become atheists. Yes, that's, that's what true. Is, that's what I'm saying. Amen. Yeah, that's they true. will be the atheists Amen. at the end of the world, Amen. while Catholicism in the modern form is going to be the Catholicism. They never change at the end of the world. Yeah, I was they, like, they man, never change. They, all Protestants who don't follow the Sabbath is about to become atheists. Yep. That's the beast that right? while claiming to be what? Oh, while claiming to be what? Bro. Christians. Yeah, man. While claiming to be Christians. But they're really atheists in another guise. That, that thought came up because I was thinking about the worldly wise men. Because that's who we're about to face. Yes, amen. We're about to face two yes, groups. Amen. One of which is Protestant amen. worldly wise men. Amen. Who they right now, all the Protestants, they fight atheists all amen. the time. Amen. But we're about to fight the Protestant world. Amen. And they're atheists. They're gonna because by beholding. They're going to become, become changed. changed. They never stop fought, fight Amen. the French Revolution. Who's going to join the Protestants, though? Adventists. The worldly wise men. Yeah. Yeah. And then who's going to join them? Adventists. And then who's going to give their power? Catholicism. Yeah. Catholicism. We're about to come up against We're about to, yes, exactly. Because the axe needs to be laid at the root of the tree. Both good and bad. Yeah. Was the axe laid against Christ? But he fell not. He was cut down, according to Daniel 4, but the stump remained. You can't remove Christ. There's something that God has put in this earth. You can't remove it. He placed it there. You may attempt to, but you can't. There was something that God put in man, Adam and Eve. Can't. What did he give them? A conscience, the ability to reason, choice, the power of choice. You can only lose that if you give it up. Judas sold his. Esau sold his. Saul betrayed his. What are we doing to ours? What are we doing with ours? Every day shows what we're doing with ours. We're either improving our conscience, reason, and judgment, or we're debasing it with, with wrong diet, hatred for the brethren, or evil thoughts, Genesis 6. Genesis shows us the, the three key things that we have to defend. Appetite, love for our neighbor, and thoughts. That's what brought the flood. And Christ says, as it was then, so shall it be how? Now. So guard appetite. Guard your feelings for your brothers and your thoughts and sisters. Amen? Amen. So go on to our notes. So the French Revolution and the earthquake. So why am I bringing this up, brethren? There's about to be a powerful natural earthquake, a serious earthquake before the Sunday law. Because Jesus declares the what? End from the what? If, it was, if in 1755 an earthquake buried the Bible, what did Christ say? An earthquake buried Christ, and an earthquake what? God's about to resurrect the Bible in such a way this world has never ever seen in all of its existence. And it's going to come up by a way of a what? An earthquake. A natural earthquake. He's what? Natural earthquake is coming. Political earthquake, because that's the French Revolution. 
Political earthquake is coming, social earthquake is coming, religious earthquake is coming, business earthquake is coming. The earth is really about to quake at one time. That's the midnight cry. Not a single soul will miss this. Nobody. If we never feared God before, guess what we're about to do? Fear God and give glory to Him. Everybody. Everybody. What, I'm, what we're saying is this. I want us to get this, and I'm asking God to help me to develop this. I don't know where the midnight cry is. Can you point to it, please? At this next event, the midnight cry, just... I, okay, since you're here, go to the Moses line. This midnight cry. Did everybody see that? Did everybody wake up? I want us to see something. At the finger of God, not everybody saw that. Only a group of people saw that. Uh, see, this was something that the Lord was showing some time ago, and he's bringing it back, and I want us to see this. It was the finger of God and the fourth plague. The finger of God was the leaders that saw and acknowledged that they need to fear God. At the fourth plague, what happened? The Lord said, I'm going to put a distinction between who? Israel and Egypt. And he said, this shall be a what? A sign. What's the midnight cry? A sign. This was a sign. I'm not saying the finger of God. They go together. I just want us to see something. Was Lazarus resurrected at a triumphal entry or before the triumphal entry? Okay, and who was the resurrection of the triumphal entry for? The leaders. Not the triumph, the resurrection, I mean. It was, that was the finger of God. It was for the leaders. Is everyone following? The leaders needed to make up their minds at that revelation. Yes, exactly. Right there. And then when you come to the midnight cry, the triumphal, who's leading out? The resurrection. The resurrection. So come down to Millerite history, July 21st. Who was it for? The leaders. And who's the midnight cry for? Everybody else. And what happened at Jerusalem? The earth shook. It was a shaking in Jerusalem. When the Lord's put the flies, it was a shaking in Egypt. At the midnight cry, we're told it was a shaking in the earth. So wait a minute. If Christ declares all of that as the beginning, then what is he going to do in the last movement? A great shaking. The greatest shaking we have ever seen in all of our lives. The world is about to fear God. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. The world is about to fear God. For the first time, the world is really about to fear God and give glory to Him. I, I like to add this. Is everyone following? No midnight cry has ever passed without the earth fearing God. Every midnight cry, the earth must fear God. Amen. And some, instead of fearing God, they said, is expedient that this man should die to save the whole nation. Instead of giving glory to God, they go the wrong way. The thought that Satan had for them could no longer be restrained. God says, go, possess them. Since they don't want to repent at this greatest revelation, possess them. Possess their house. Possess their family, possess their money, possess their time, possess their job, possess their children, possess everything they own. Go, possess them. Is everyone following? Was that what happened in Egypt? God put a distinction between Israel and Egypt. Satan possessed Egypt. 
And Israel, who chose God, was possessed by Christ. Is everyone following? Amen. And just come down to the Jews. The Jews were possessed. And Judas. But Christ and the disciples was possessed by God, even though they fell a little bit. And come down to Millerite history. Protestants was possessed. And God says, come out from among them. Come out. Don't partake of their possession. Come over here and partake of my possession. Before October 22nd, 1844. Brethren, we're about to see something glorious. Praise God. I like that. Praise God. Before the Civil Sunday Law, we're about to witness a glorious manifestation of the power of God. And God is telling us, he's, a, he's given us, letting us in on his will. He's about to cause a real earthquake. A terrible earthquake. And a political earthquake. And a social earthquake. And a religious earthquake. And a family earthquake. And a business earthquake. Every other earthquakes before that were only tremors pointing to that one. Oh, there's proof. COVID was just a tremor. 9-11 was just a tremor. 2008 was just a tremor. Trump, entire ministry was a political earthquake. That was just a tremor. This next one, it's all the way till Jesus comes. It's not going away. This earthquake that's coming, it's not going away. It's going to stay here until Jesus comes. But praise God, God found a body that he can possess. Amen. And he says, go, take the little book that's in the angel's hand, eat it up, acknowledge everything written in that book, and let it possess you. So that when October 22nd come, because you possess this truth and don't let anybody take it, when October 22nd come, I'm really going to possess you and give you the Sabbath as the sign that you're my sacred and holy possession. Brethren, we're about to get a possessive light at the Civil Sunday Law. But that light's only going to possess those that possess God. We don't possess God. He don't possess us. And there's a powerful delusion for Sunday and the state of the dead that Satan is ready to possess people with. And man, if we thought people were blind now, when he possessed them with that one, it's going to, man, can these bones live? That's really what we're going to say. Can these bones live? How can men come to believe such a thought with such a plain explanation of Scripture? How do they come to believe that? That's what we're going to say. How can people believe that when it says, remember the Sabbath day? How do they come to that? How does Seventh-day Adventists come to believe that Sunday is a Sabbath? How is that possible? How? How are thou fallen? How do you fall away from the seventh day being the Sabbath to believe in Sunday's a Sabbath? We're about to see that. We're really about to see that. But God forbid that we have the love of money and we will not see it. We'll experience it. We don't want that to be us. Let's put away the root of all evil. God is laying the axe and he's laying it to our hearts and we need to check it and put that nonsense away and love God with all the heart, mind, soul, and strength and thy neighbor as thyself. That's the root of all good. That's what we should possess and that's what should possess us. Everything I do should be to please God and man. Every way I live, please God and man. If I'm living to please me, I'm going the wrong way. Automatically. You don't even have to think about it. You're going the wrong way. Go ahead. Somebody had a hand? I mean, you said some of what I wanted to say, but I, 
I don't know if I hope I hope that all of our minds are 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 turning because the the the, the illustration of the fifty of the fourth month and the midnight cry is very important. Very important. Extremely. And what you see is the fifty of the fourth month introduces the thought Amen. for what happens at the next time. Yes. Amen. Right. It introduced, which Sorry. means COVID was a thought introduced for what God is about to do at the Amen. midnight cry. Amen. Amen. Um, Go, go back to COVID. You had civil unrest. <laughs> Praise God. Political unrest. Earthquakes. You had a change in government. Right? Don't forget that. We had a change in government. January Trump had 6th. just come in. Amen. Um, not only that, that, we had a change in government towards the pro Protestant arm. Amen. So that's another thing we ought to see. So I, I'm just praying that everybody see. I really want us to see what he said. You have to go back to that time Amen. period and see all that happened. You, you had um, the striking of Islam. They're going to retaliate. Riots. They're going to retaliate. Amen. And I want us to see the chaos that you had the government giving people money. Amen. So you're right? going to have that too. You yes. You had, you had money almost failing for some people. So the point that I'm making is all the events that we saw at the fifth day, you had a false prophecy. Amen. Jeff. All the things that we saw, you had a separation between us and Mark. Amen. All the things that we saw, I want us to see that. It only introduced a thought uh, seed that will reap its harvest at the midnight cry. Praise God. I hope so it's supposed to be that. good and bad at the midnight cry. Amen. It's supposed to be good for one class. Evil for but, another. But um, the pioneers teach that in those days leading up to October right. 22nd, it was like probation so. closed. That's what they teach. It was like probation Amen. closed. So what's, the, what's this one going to look like? Oh, man. Like probation closed. Ten times worse. It's going to be, brethren, I, I really want us to start taking this seriously. I'm trying my best to take it seriously. And I'm pleading with every day I wake up, I'm like, God, am I take, basically, am I taking this seriously? Am I really concerned? Do I really believe what you say you're about to do, God? Do I really believe that? Am I living? Do, am, how, is, how I'm eating right now saying I believe what you're about to do? Is how I'm working saying I believe what you're about to do? Does my life say let there be, or does my life say hath God said? Every day we wake up, we're either saying let there be, or hath God said. Every day. Who's the Lord that I shall obey his voice? Thy, my, thy word is written in my heart that I might not sin it. That, we're saying one of those two things every day. Every single day we wake up, we're saying that. Every day. And what's the next one, Mary? the next thought? Is it cause to be? Yes. Okay, I want to, how much time do I have left, Sashel? Ten. Ten minutes. I'm going to go through this one because it ties with what Swindon says out. It shouldn't take long. Isaiah 45 saying, can you read, somebody read it loud and clear, please? I, I form the light and create darkness. I make peace and create evil. I, the Lord, do all these things. Who does these things? Who does these things? Who did 9-11? Who did 1989? Who did COVID? Amen. Even if Satan did it, the Lord is taking blame. Amen. How, why is he taking blame now? Because in the kingdom of grace, God takes all the blame until the close of probation and he puts it back on Satan. He's responsible for all the evil, but get this. He can't do any evil unless I say, let there be. Amen. He is not God. Fear me, I am God. That's what God is saying. 
He's not God just because he caused a flood and a hurricane and a tornado. He's not God. I give him permission to let there be. So therefore, I take responsibility for it. But when probation closes, I'm going to show the whole world I was never responsible. He's the one that's responsible. And everyone who joined him in rebellion against me is responsible for destroying the earth. I'm just giving man back what he worked his entire life for. And that was evil. And everyone who worked for good, I'm just giving it back to them. Because they saw and learned that I'm God and he's not. Job teaches me Satan can't do anything unless God gives him permission. So the Bible says, fear God and give glory to him and worship him. Don't worship natural science. Don't worship the papacy by joining that religion. Don't worship apostate Protestants by joining that religion. To worship means to serve. Don't give your service to Catholicism. Don't give your service to apostate Protestantism. And don't give your service to 3ABN if they're not teaching these messages. Come out from among them and be ye separate, save the Lord. And touch not the unclean ideas that Doug Batchelor and 3ABN and Save the Service teaching you, which is leading to rebellion against the God you claim to believe and profess. Come out from among them and join the people who's advancing the right thought and idea that inspires your faith, that encourages you to study the Bible, that gives you a clear explanation of the stories in the Bible, that gives no contradiction to anything you believe, only enhance the ideas of what you believe as good and overthrow the ideas of which you believe like Eve is evil. Serve them. Worship with them. Come out from the evil systems that are in opposition to God's true original faith of Seventh-day Adventists, which is inscribed on these two charts. Worship here. Serve God here. Serve him here. Come out from any institution that do not uphold these ideas that leads to creation of re-restored man in this earth that's only designed to preserve the earth from the evil of the seven last plagues, not encourages or hasten it on. Come out from those fallen idealistic systems. Come out and join the people who serve in God in spirit and how? In truth. Join those people. If you found the people doing that, serve God with them. And I want to continue. So God says, I created evil, right? Swin went over this. Go to Genesis. What does it mean to create? Because of time, I'm just going to read it. It says, in the beginning, God did what? And then the Bible says, darkness was upon the face of the deep. No, the earth was without form and void and dark. I want us to notice something. It says form. Just look at these things. This is important. Form, void, darkness. So the light is to give form, make you not empty, and filled with light. Before God, we're, we're without form. We have no good ideas. We can't form a good idea. We are void. We're empty of him. And we're full of darkness. Even though you say you know him, you're full of darkness. Because Christ says you're blind. A blind soul is a darkened soul. So you're full of darkness and thinking that you're a Seventh-day Adventist and you can't even explain the 2520, but you're calling yourself a Seventh-day Adventist. You're blind. You can't even explain the 1335, but you call yourself a Seventh-day Adventist. 
You're blind. You're without form and you're void. This gives you form and void. This fills you up and makes you no longer form and void. This one, it makes you all light. The sanctuary makes you all light. Thy way, O oh God, is where? Creation is about the sanctuary. Every bit of it. And those who can explain from day one, like swimming by the grace of God down to day seven, they have a good understanding of the sanctuary. Otherwise, they couldn't walk through that. They couldn't do it. It's the sanctuary that makes you understand creation in its proper light. But it begins with the first angel's message. It begins with the first angel. You got to fear God to come to the right understanding. But going on, so God said, and the earth was void and, and formed, and darkness was upon the face of the deep. And then God said what? What did he say? Let there be what? Man, I wish I had time to go through the light, but I'm going to just take. So to create means let there be. That's what create means. That's what Genesis just told us. The Bible says, and God created, and then God says, let there be. He showed us how he created. He says, let there be. Brethren, I don't want us to miss this. I really don't want us to miss this. Every accident that happened on this planet, God says, let there be. Every woman that's raped, God says, let there be. Every child that's born, God says, let there be. Every good deed that's done, God says, let there be. God has not given up his sovereignty of this universe. Nothing can happen anywhere in this universe unless our creator says, let there be. We, don't, we think life just means us. Life means to give existence to anything. An action is life. An event is life. A business is life. Air is life. Trees is life. Everything around us that we can see, touch, and handle, life. Some inanimate, some animate, but it's still life. And creation teaches me everything that was in existence is because God said, let there be. So you know what the Lord showed through all of that, brothers and sisters? There's 6,000 years that's been given to this earth to labor and to work. Do y'all know day one? is showing us all the events that should happen in the thousand years. Day two is showing us all the events that should take place in the 2,000 years. Day three is showing us all the events that should take place in the 3,000 year. Day four is showing us all the events that should take place in the 4,000 year. Day five is showing us all the events that should take place in the 5,000 years. Day six is showing us all the events that should take place in the 6,000 years. And we can all see this part. Day 7 is showing us no event should take place in the 7,000 year. Because you should be at how? Rest. Rest. Brethren, every event that's happening right now is recorded in the Bible. There's not an event that's happening to this earth we can't prove from the scripture. Not a single one. None. But the one that God wants us to pay attention to, that one he wrote down. Because this one is the most important one. This one we can't ignore nor miss. And God says there will be a Sunday law and I want nobody to miss this one. So therefore, John, record in the Bible, if any man worship the beast or his image, the same shall drink of the wine of the wrath of God. Make sure the world knows that I'm going to say, let there be a Sunday law. Let them let. But when that comes, 
God is also going to say, let there be light. And the whole earth was lightened with his glory in his people. In his people. Amen. So I don't want us to miss this. The reason, man, when the Lord showed me that thought, I said, God, that is so comforting. You mean my day is already planned out? Yes. Brethren, if you don't walk in line with God, you're resisting his spirit every day. Every day the world is resisting God's spirit. God has ordained the events to take place tomorrow on Sunday. We are supposed to wake up and keep his commandments that day and look to fulfill his will for that day. Creation teaches me there's no day that hasn't been planned. There's no event that has not been planned. Every event that happened has already been planned long ago. God is just letting us in on the idea that, he, that he's telling us what's about to be. And, and our creator is telling us he's about to cause there to be a violent earthquake. He's opening up to our mind that he's about to shake the earth with a real and serious earthquake. A very terrible one. Amen. Amen. I don't want to. Amen. And it was so. Amen. I just want us to see when I saw it, I said, God, you mean my day is planned today. And if I make a plan that's going against you, I'm resisting your spirit. If I plan for Sunday to do something God did not design that I do that day, I'm resisting. Brethren, we don't understand the resisting the spirit. We think it's just not hearing his word. No, it's not walking in the light that God says should happen this time. So we need to go, amen, because it's in morning worship where he tells you what you should do for that day. Is everyone following? So we better not get up any day this week and don't ask God, Lord, what is your will today? What is your will today? Because my life should say, not my will, but who? Thy will be done. Not my thoughts, but your thoughts. He's not saying don't plan your day. Plan your day. But let it be according to the commandments. But here's what he's saying. Be ready and willing to give up your plan for his thoughts. Because he knew we would exist today, God worked in the plans, the events you are going to choose to do that day anyway. But he has events in mind that, wait, I know you wanted to do that, but I don't really want you to do that right now. I want you to do this. But sometimes we get angry and murmur because it seems like it's disrupting my thoughts and plans. No, God just don't want you to do that right now. He wants you to go this way. I saw a practical thing of that this week. You know, and I was so happy. We couldn't pay rent. We didn't have all the money to pay rent. But you know, that thought, and I just pray, and I said, Lord, you know we would be here. You knew we would be experiencing this, and the Lord paid our rent this week. He just showed up and paid the rent. And I, and I had to gather my family. And I said, we're not letting this moment pass without thanking our Heavenly Father. We're not doing that. Let us get on our knees and let us thank God for working in His will, His providence to pay our rent. He did this on purpose to show us that He really does create the events that take place every day. He really gave me a real experience in that. And now that I'm like, I want y'all to be encouraged. When we get into thick situation, it's okay. God, God is just saying, let the evil go on right now. What we don't want, we don't want, just don't want to be the cause of that evil. If the evil come like Job, let it come. Let there be. Just keep God's commandment, whether it be good or evil. Job understood this. 
Job worshipped anyway. It didn't matter that he lost his kids. He went to the prayer meeting. It didn't matter that he lost his business. He kept the Sabbath. It didn't matter to him. He still had his morning and evening worship, even though his mother, his son, his daughter died. Brethren, if I was to pass, y'all better keep the Sabbath. Y'all following? If any one of us was to pass, I'm keeping the Sabbath. I may bury you that day or I may have the eulogy that, but we're keeping the Sabbath. Keep the Sabbath no matter what the Lord causes to be. This is the kind of faith needed for the Sunday law. If we don't understand that God is causing everything to be, then we're going to have everything to fear for the future. Because we don't know how the future is going to be. But Ellen White says we have nothing to fear for the future except we what? So somehow the Sabbath is designed to make people not fear for the future. That's why God says remember the Sabbath because that's the test for the future. That's what God says he chose to close out this earth with a Sabbath Sunday test because that's how he closed creation. Praise God. He really is telling everybody his plan, but some just don't understand the language of heaven. They don't get it. And even though the Lord is revealing this to us, guess what some of us might just get up and do? The same nonsense that you did before you came here today. The same nonsense that y'all had before watching this video. Even in the light of all of this being revealed to you, you're still going to get up and continue on in the week as though God is not saying, let there be. You're still going to live your life that you're planning. And guess what you are when you do that? The Pope, Antichrist. You're against the will of Christ. That makes anybody who doesn't do what God says to do that day an Antichrist. You're the real Pope. And the Pope is just the father of all the Antipopes, Antichrist. He's just the father of everyone that follows him. That's all he is. And he's the son of Satan. That's all he is. Satan is not God. No matter what event God allows him to bring, he is not God. And that has to be our testimony, not just at the Sunday law, right now. Amen. But by every word. So I really, when the Lord showed that, it brought, it brought some comfort to my heart. And I know Satan began fighting. He really began fighting. And I, but the Lord is helping me to detect little by little to see how he comes in. And I'll give you all an example of that. I was so happy. You know, I woke up preparation morning and something happened. Something, and I said, you know, this says that at the end, just before Sabbath, something's going to happen. Man. And I'm like, God, it did happen. Man, you're really teaching us how to read these things. You're really trying to help us to get it. When Satan attacks you in one thing, he's only showing you what he's planning for you in the next thing. If you can read properly, he shouldn't catch you. He should never catch us. And that's why he's going to be angry. Because no matter what he do, he can't catch us. So now he has to resort like Cain to violence. He now has to resort to violence. Because crookery, trickery can't catch us anymore. Man, I love what God is doing. I love what he's doing. And if we're really paying attention, he's preparing our souls for what he's doing. And I'll give you all another living example. I just love how he's just teaching. You know, it was last night I was just laying down after worship. After, and I'm just laying there. No, before last night. I don't know when it was, but it was yesterday. And I'm laying down, and then something happened with my, with, with, uh, with my, with my wife. And um, she said something. Um, she said something. 
And I, and I said something along the lines of, you know, if you don't stop doing that, you're only going to do that the next time that comes. And then I'm, I, I sat there and I learned something. I'm like, whoa, you can tell that you're going to fall at the Sunday law by what you do when a situation comes. You can tell you're going to fall. If every time something comes and disturbs what you're doing and you get angry, that's what you're going to do at the Sunday law. So the Lord in his mercy allowed an event to come in your life to reveal to you your action when the event comes. And your action is a demonstration. God is, God is opening up our eyes to show us, look, that's how you would behave if somebody stepped on your toe. Yes, he did. So here's what God is saying. Remove that before it comes. I allowed trouble to come to show you that that's what you would do when the real trouble comes. And in that trouble, there's no recovery. If you fall in that one, you ain't recovering because you don't have time for me to prepare you for it. So I, amen, because they see it. They see it. Brethren, this week, as y'all go through the week, if something comes that annoys you, look at how you respond to what annoys you. If you respond in an evil way, that's what you're going to do in the future. And in mercy to you, God is showing you, that's what I need you to get rid of right now. I made this come to show you that that's what you do in the future. So in my mercy, in my goodness, I allowed bad to come to you to show you your sin. So now I put it, so, you know, I looked at my eyes and I'm like, man, I'm impatient. I need to be patient. Lord, help me to be patient. I need to be patient. And I need that. And, and I'm like, my family needs patience. The church needs patience. And you know what the Lord showed from that? You know how y'all supposed to suffer with me? I can't drive somewhere. So you have to suffer loss as time to take me somewhere. That's how you suffer with somebody who's sick. You have to do for them what they can't do when they're sick. And you are suffering with them. You're feeling the pain of denying yourself what you want to do, but you got to go tend to your sick brother or sister. That's exactly. Yeah, so Christ came and suffered with us. Christ came and did for us what we couldn't do, and he suffered for it. So we should be willing when somebody's sick to give up your loss of time, give it up. Suffer with them. If they're up at midnight in pain, suffer with them. That's what it means to suffer. Because that's what Christ literally did. He went about doing good, but it cost him suffering. God had to stop creating to recreate. He's suffering. He has to restrain his creative power to recreate us. He's been suffering for ever since sin came. He has to watch the evil. But he says, let there be because it's only for 6,000 years. And then in the seventh, I'm going to make all creation rest. Even Satan has to rest from his labor. Even he's got to rest. But the Bible says, there's no rest, save my Lord, to the wicked. He's not going to have no peace in his rest, but all of God's redeemed is going to have peace in their rest. And then after that, what's after the seventh day? The first day. So what begins again? Work. And what is God going to say? Let there be the destruction of the wicked. That's the light right there. Let everybody perish that didn't want me to reign over them. And everyone who's alive is getting light. And guess what? All the light that everyone did not want to get in times of peace in a lake of fire, they're going to have to listen to every bit of it until they die. 
So just so all the studying you're not doing now, you're going to have to study in the lake of fire if that's where you end up. Because God's going to make sure you know what he, he did he before. He, because he said, let there be. And there, was. And there will be. You must study. So if you don't want to study now, then you'll study in the lake of fire. So study now in this fire of persecution. Study in this time. Be willing to give up time to study. Because in the lake of fire, there's no more time to obtain. But you're going to hear everything before you die. That's why Ellen White can write the way she writes. That's the spirit of prophecy. That's the spirit of prophecy. And I pray that as we go through this week, we take these things serious because it's serious. I pray we don't forget any of this because we can't afford to. Satan's on the prowl and he's looking for any one of us to possess with the wrong thought that he has. He's about to introduce a new evil thought and God's about to introduce. Matter of fact, they already did. Like Swindon said at the fifth day of the fourth month. They did. It's just coming clearer and clearer to us. And we're getting to understand a little bit. So we'll stop here. And I, I pray that by the grace of God that we were blessed by these things. I don't know what the Lord is going to open up for next Sabbath as time go on. But I do pray that we look over some of these things. And this is the line of thought that he's asking for us to look into right now. When he switches to the next line of thought, that is. But what I want to understand now is this great earthquake that's about to happen. Because it's really about to happen. COVID, like Swindon said, January 6th, all those things showed us that that's what's about to happen but on a larger scale. And it has to happen before the civil Sunday law. Why? Because man's mind, just like 1755, went from the Bible to false science. So man's mind needs to go back from false science back to what? The Bible. So Jesus declared that the end of this from the beginning. In the beginning when the Bible laid down his life, when Jesus allowed false science to cover the Bible, an earthquake. So Jesus is going to make the Bible take the place it needs to be, an earthquake. I really thank God for this. Read the last quote, and that's where we stop. I didn't want to leave out this quote. Read the last quote, and then when y'all have time in the notes, just read what she says about everything we just said, about God is in control of this. She says in the quote, there's nothing that happened in this universe that God doesn't basically say let there be. But the last quote, I have to finish with this last quote. Can somebody read the very last quote from Great Controversy? And, I, and that's where we'll stop. The very last quote, please. The Revelator? Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. The Revelator thus describes the first of the signs to precede the second advent. There was a great earthquake, and the sun became black as sackcloth of hair, and the moon became as blood. These signs were witnessed before the opening of the present century. In fulfillment of this prophecy, there occurred, in the year 1755, the most terrible earthquake that has ever been recorded. Though commonly known as the earthquake of Lisbon, it extended to the greater part of Europe, Africa, and America. It was How terrible was that earthquake? Wow, How terrible was that earthquake? The whole world. The whole world felt it. So how terrible is going to be this one? The world will feel it. The world will feel this one. Go ahead. I'm going to stop there, matter of fact. I just want to know how she began that quote. She says, the first of these signs. What's Christ called? And the what? Oh, so if that was the first, what, what must there be? A last. That was just the first one before the, the message of his second advent. So there needs to be a last one before the message of his second advent. And that's how you know it's about to happen again.
want to, amen. Praise God. That's nice. Amen. And I want us to see this too. Notice what she says. Earthquake. And what was the next one? The dark day. And what was the next one? The stars. Midnight cry. Civil Sunday law. Sunday law. Many stars is going out at the Sunday law. That's where we're going to see the stars fall and never rise again. If we're not on board with Christ. Amen. So I just, you can read that. And I hope we will read some of the stuff on the Lisbon earthquake. Because it was a terrible earthquake. And the Lord, and the Bible says, what has been is now, and what is to be hath already been, and God requires 1755 again. So 1755 is about to happen all over again. So let us close out with a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, Lord, I really want to thank you for being with us this Sabbath day. Lord, you're truly the creator. And Lord, don't, what I, I just really pray and ask the Lord that we really would fear God and give glory to him. We're told that it's a wholesome fear that we're supposed to have. We should tremble at these words, O oh Lord. And I don't believe we tremble the way you desire us to tremble. And Lord, you said in Isaiah 66, to this man will I look, even to them that tremble at my word. Lord, I pray that we have that spirit of Isaiah 66 and the spirit of Isaiah and the spirit of Daniel and the spirit of Job and the spirit because Job feared God. He trembled at your word. And Lord, we want that spirit. And Lord, it's, it's, it's not something we can conjure up. It's a gift. It's a gift from God. And Lord, we want this gift. Please may you give us this gift. You said it's freely given to those who want it. You said our Heavenly Father is more willing to give this gift to them that ask. That trembling spirit is Christ's spirit, O oh Lord. He's the one that really and truly trembled at your word. He feared to break your law. He feared to, 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 to break your commandment in any way, whether in thought, in deeds, or words. And Lord, all who, who receive him will receive that gift, but we must be in him. And that means receiving the truth, every bit of it that you have sent in the love of it. And I pray and ask the Lord that you please give us that life. We need that life because we, we have no life if we don't have that life. So please, Lord, baptize us anew with your Holy Spirit. And we ask for the help and protection of holy angels. Please don't help none of these things to slip from our mind. If there was anything any one of us heard today, help it not to slip from our minds, O oh Lord, but that we would cherish it, water it, nourish it until it becomes ours, until we possess it and it possess us. So please help us, Lord. Bless us and keep us. Continue to help us to keep this Sabbath day holy. And if there's anything, Lord, that I'm failing to ask of you or even thank you for, fail not to grant those things unto us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen.